0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. You feel like maybe that'll be an answer, and emotion buys. Fifteen months later... Mama's asking, why'd you buy that two door convertible? We have four kids, and there's things we're not getting that we need because of that big car payment. Emotion buys, but reason pays the bill. And so, in our walk of faith, I came to the Lord not out of reason or my mind, I came from a place of emotion. Lord met me at an emotional level. I was 17. I was searching. I was lonely. I was trying to figure out life. I'd walked a few steps down the wrong path. Something inside me said, this isn't right. In Romans 1, it says, creation is letting us know who God is. And there's something inside of us that just knows right from wrong. And I began showing up at this little hippie church in Colorado Springs. No one asked me There were 2,800 kids in my three-grade high school, and I knew three Christians. uh, Colorado Springs wasn't like Christian Mecca like it is today. I knew three Christians out of 2,800 kids. Didn't know anybody that went to church. And, And so I just started showing up uninvited to this little Shakespearean theater church, it was next to Palmer High School, and it was a bunch of hippies at the tail end of the Jesus movement, worshiping God. I'd sit at the back, not near the crowd, I'd leave with a tear in my eye, the Holy Spirit was touching my heart, touching my emotion. Emotion buys, but reason pays the bill. And I remember i I had no Bible background. We just never went to church as a family. We weren't anti-church. We just didn't go to church. No one talked about it. No one talked bad about it. No one talked positive about it. It wasn't in our radar. So I came with no prejudice, no presupposition, just a heart that said God is real and I think he loves me. And he touched my heart in that first verse I learned, Romans ten nine. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with all your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's all I had. Yeah. That was, and it was enough. I could ride that for a while. And then somehow I ran into Romans chapter 8 and he began to... Speak to me through this verse, and so the second verse, Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What a great verse. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you're a son of God. Sons, of course, is multi-gender there. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And that verse came alive to this brand new young Christian. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was bearing witness to my spirit, Steve Hale, that I was born again. There was an Abba, Daddy, Father, I felt I felt like I was in the family. I felt accepted. I felt irrevocably in the family. I felt like I was never leaving. Nothing could tear me from this family. There had been a spiritual transaction. We buy with emotion. He comes to us. I bet 99% of us in this room came to the Lord from a tug on us emotionally. We didn't come From a set of facts. We didn't come just out of a scientific formula. We didn't come. But you know, reason has to make it make sense. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the reason side of our faith tonight. So you uh, thinkers, you analytics, you nerds, join me in the reason side of your faith. Emotion buys, but reason pays the bill. So we're going to go on a little journey through Scripture and prophecies about the Messiah. And I believe, uh, I've had this little aha in the study of this. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. So God conceals it. And we, as kings, go search it out. But he hides it for us, not from us. And the old example that just seems so perfect is he's hiding secrets like we hide little um, Easter eggs from our grandchildren. And if they're really young, you just put them out in the middle of the yard. He hides them. We're not hiding them from them. You're, you're, you know, you're weird if you're hiding them really hard for a two-year-old. <laughs> There's something wrong with you. But we hide them for them in the middle of the yard and we direct them. There you go, Ansley. Look, over there. And we hide them for them. And I believe the Lord is laying out little pieces of breadcrumbs to lead us And it's, if you, at the end of the night, I hope you see how plain, how easy. My hypothesis is, it doesn't take any faith to believe Jesus is the Son of God. He's made it that easy. It's the glory of kings to search it out, but he's made it so easy. Emotion buys, but reason pays the bill. And the reason part of my faith on the macro level that Jesus is the Son of God is airtight, too obvious, too easy. And here's what God did. He laid out 300 prophetic Easter eggs. Some of them are maybe a little hard to find, but most of them are just sitting out there in the middle of the grass. And he's set it out to make it so easy, and I, I've, I've just had this like little how like God, you're so kind. You haven't made this thing hard. So let's go through a few of them. That first one, Mari. Though so, so the prophecy, but you, Bethlehem, though you're little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be. Ruler in Israel, whose going forth, are from old, from everlasting. Micah 5.2, written many hundreds of years before Christ came on the scene. And so the fulfillment of that prophecy was now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Matthew 2.1. This one's an interesting one to me. It's, I... Uh, I'm kind of a little bit of a nerd. I googled how many people lived in Bethlehem at the time of Christ. (laughs) And it was about the number of people in this room. I I think of Bethlehem must be a city, but it um, it was around 300 people in the, you can barely call it a town of Bethlehem. So then googled how many people, what was the population of Earth during the time of Christ. And of course, we don't know exactly, but best guess, they think, was around 300 million. So 300 million, how many, what's the population of Earth today? Seven billion, right? Seven billion. So we've gone... In 2000 years, from 300 million to 7 billion. There's a lot of begatting getting on between <laughs> 2000, so go from 300 million to 7 billion. So, but think it's just interesting numbers 300 people in Bethlehem, 300 million people, the population of the earth, do the math, that's one in a million. I I don't think it's too illogical to say the odds of the Messiah coming from the town of Bethlehem was one in a million. And if you if he came today, the odds of being born in Bethlehem is probably less than one in a million. Worse. Chances are even more remote. Than one in a million of being born in that city. In fact, in one prophecy, one prophecy out of the 300, one Easter egg sitting out there in the middle of the grass, he eliminated every city on the planet for the Savior to come from except for one. It's making it easy. I got 299 more to convince you. Oh, wow, somebody said. <laughs> I thought he said it was going to be a short sermon. (laughs) So let's go to the next one. Oh, wow. (laughs) I have 300 slides. No, I'm kidding. Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the desert, a highway for our God. Isaiah 40, written hundreds if not thousand years before Christ and the fulfillment, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Anyone in the room have someone crying in the wilderness, calling, you know, here he comes, Michael Edwards, he's on his way. So so another unique prophecy. And the next one. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, humble and lowly, riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey, Zechariah 9.9. And the fulfillment, and they brought him Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the colt, and they sat Jesus on him, and he went. And many spread their clothes on the road, Wouldn't that have been a wonderful, wonderful... How much would you pay to be in that procession? You're standing on the road, and people are... We're laying our jackets and our robes on the road, and Christ is coming down a procession, and we're singing some version of Hosanna, Hosanna, and something in your heart is raging. This the King of Kings. The Messiah we've been waiting for is coming. And he goes by you on a colt. The humble savior of the, Lord, of the world. It's a specific prophecy. Ever seen a president on a horse or a colt? A foal? And so it's uniquely unique. And so the next one. Even my familiar friend in whom I trusted who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me, Psalm 41, and the fulfillment, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So there was prophesied a betrayer of the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. As Danny Silk said the other day, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's his title. He's the anointed one. The next one, then I said to them, it is agreeable to you, give me your wages, and if not, refrain. So they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11, 12. So he was was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, and the fulfillment, what are you willing to give me if I give him to you? Aren't you glad that's not, Part of your legacy that you, uh, you sold out the Lord of Lords. And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. Not 29, but 30. Not silver, not gold, but silver. Super specific fulfillment of a prophecy of our Lord. The next one. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. So the next prophecy was that the 30 pieces would be thrown down onto the house of the Lord and the fulfillment. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed, Matthew 27, 5. And the next one. All these kind of related. So I took 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter and the fulfillment, and they consulted together and brought with them, bought with them, the potter's field to bury strangers in. Catch uh, just one little story of Jesus but prophesied. 30 pieces of silver thrown at the temple floor. The 30 pieces of silver then used to go by a field. Super specific. Those are just three prophecies out of 300. He's making it. Really specific. Really easy. So let's go on to another one. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is the, one of the chapters in the Old Testament talking about the um, crucifixion, as is Psalm 22. Yet he opened not his mouth, and the fulfillment, as we all know, is that, and while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Can you imagine a politician in our environment answering nothing? (laughs) Saying nothing to his accusers? Can you imagine being perfect and at fault not one bit and saying nothing? super specific prophecy. They pierced my hands and my feet, Psalm 22, the other chapter. And and when they came to a place called Calvary, there they crucified him, Luke 23. This one's interesting because in the Psalms where it said they pierced his hands and feet, the the crucifixion method of capital punishment didn't come into the Hebrew culture until just a few years before Christ. That came in with the Romans. But the Psalms were written hundreds of years before the Romans. The Psalms were written in the Hebrew culture where their capital punishment was stoning. The idea of piercing someone's hands and feet was not even part of... Anything they knew about prophesied hundreds of years before anyone was ever doing that. So, any more? One more? Thanks, Maury. Because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors, Isaiah 53, and then the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, Another on the left. I mean, how many people do I know that, were, that died with a criminal on their left and their right? Super specific. So we have quickly gone through just 10 prophecies about the coming Christ, 10 places where they were fulfilled. There are 300. We went through 10. And so some scientists Tried to look at the probabilities that one person could fulfill just those ten. The probabilities, and so uh, the only thing I remember from statistics class is like, you uh, you know, you flip a coin. Chances of heads are fifty-fifty, right? One and two. So chances of heads is one and two. To get heads twice, it's one and two times one and two, right? To get two heads is one in four chance. To get three heads in a row is one and two times one and two times one and two, so it's one in eight. So that's how they do it. So you just add the chances of those ten happening with one person, and it's not an exact science, but you can come to reasonable conclusions, kind of like we did with Bethlehem. And it came out, just those 10 were one chance in 10 to the 17th power. One in. That's 17 zeros at the end. I, I, I kind of quit being able to figure it out before the 17th zeros. My mind just doesn't go there. One in 10, I got it. One in 100, I got it. One in 1,000, I got it. One in 10,000, it's getting a little shaky. But 17 zeros is the next three zeros after trillions. I don't even know what that is. It's thousands of trillions. And our minds don't think that way, so these guys came up with this way to help us understand it. They said, well, here's how you understand 10 to the 17th power. You take a silver dollar and you start putting them out over the state of Texas. Texas. And after you get to a thousand trillions, the state of Texas will be knee high in silver dollars. The whole state will be knee high in silver dollars. Take one of those silver dollars, put a big X on it, throw it out there somewhere north of Austin, (laughs) bury it down a couple feet. And we're going to blindfold you and you get to walk around Texas and pick up one. And if you get that one, that's one out of 10 to the 17th power of of one person fulfilling those 10 prophecies. I have 290 more if you want to stay the rest of the night. (laughs) Crying uncle yet? As I was studying this this week, it just hit me, the kindness of the Lord. You're not hiding it from us. You're hiding it for us. It says he knew you before the foundation of the world. It says before the foundation, he was working out a plan of getting you back to the family. Before Adam and Eve fell, he was working a plan of salvation. He's making it, you know, the Bible says we didn't love him first. He first loved us. And I may think I'm pursuing him, but he's really pursuing me. On my best, best days, I don't think I'm 100%. Yeah. He's pursuing 100% every day. He's hiding 300 Easter eggs. He says, if you'll just come without prejudice, if you'll come without presupposition, if you'll come without baggage, if you'll come with an open mind, if you'll come with, a, with your brain, My favorite line in mystery school, Chris Ballatin one day said, feel free to use your brain when you enter church. Feel free to use your brain when you read the Bible. For those, and he laid out 300. And so I, for me, it's too obvious. For me, it's, there's no faith required to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that God sent him as the Messiah. It doesn't take faith for me to believe that macro story, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It doesn't take any faith for me. But he says, without faith it's impossible to please him. And he says, come to me like a child, with childlike faith. As I was thinking about this, I thought, but there are areas of micro-faith, me and him, that do require faith. There are those in the room that would join me sometimes saying, I don't always feel loved or lovely. Your word says it. You're the provider, but there's sometimes when money's tight, There are these promises that are spoken over our lives. Sometimes they feel like they're far off. At a micro level, it requires some faith sometimes. Amen? Amen. He says you're clean, you're pure, you're holy, you're forgiven. Sometimes we don't feel that way. He says, I love you as much as anyone on the planet. Sometimes we don't all feel that way. On a micro level, we need faith to believe these fabulous promises over all our life. You're a son of God. You've been chosen before the foundation. I knew you. I know every hair on your head. Sometimes at the personal level, it requires more faith than the macro level. But my aha this week was, if he's made it so easy at a macro level, it just means he wants it to be just as easy at a personal level. Those promises over your life, he wants to make it easy. Those, those, the word of God over your life, he wants to make it easy. He, his heart from the foundation of the world is to bring you into fellowship with him, into, he wants you to reign in life. He wants to have plans for you, plans for your future, not to harm. He wants, he has that, and he's saying, just believe. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. I used to always, uh, I used to pray us kind of a silly prayer, Lord, I just wish I had like three or four minutes, back when we had to pay for phone calls, you know, um, can I just have like a three or four minute 1-800 call with you every year? Of course, now I know he's always speaking. He speaks to us in many different ways. But it'd be nice to have it that clear. But he is going to arrange the universe where it still requires a thread of faith he just will because without faith it's impossible to please him we have a young man on our staff that sees angels all the time he said it's still there's a is hard to explain but the lord he keeps it at such a place where it's still requiring faith for me We all live in a realm of faith. But in this one area, he's made it really, really easy. And if it's sent to be that easy there, I believe it's an invitation for every area of our life that might be a little tougher. It's an encouragement say, come on in. My heart is to bring you there. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. So Lord, let us be people of faith, warriors of faith, known for faith. Let us be ones that are not afraid to pray for the sick, pray for healing, pray for great provision, pray that people would come to know you, that you'd be the breakthrough God, that we would be, that our worship would change things. That when we share our faith, it has a breaker anointing. People come. People come to know you. You're the light of the world. You're children of light, daughters of the day. And I was thinking about you before the foundation of the world. I was calling you. I know every hair on your head. I was calling you before the foundation of the world. I love you with an everlasting love. And these prophecies are gifts to you because of my love for you. And all the people said, amen, amen, amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.